Welcome to Run 12-1 Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Justin Gowen. Well, good morning. This is Pastor Justin Goins with Run 12-1 Podcast. Thanks for joining me this morning um, or this afternoon or whenever it is that you're listening to it. Um, we're picking up in the next chapter of the book of Acts. We've just been trying to go chapter by chapter. Sometimes we can handle a full chapter at a time. Sometimes it takes us maybe two or three episodes to get through it. Um, checking out some of the details as God lays it on my heart to kind of look through um, the book of Acts, where we learn a lot of firsts, first uh, introduction, if you may, or the, actually a completion of the church. When we look at the Old Testament, we see some church truth concealed. Uh, the church was not in the Old Testament. However, we could start seeing a future something, something was going to come about um, in the future, in the Old Testament. And as the Old Testament was compiled and finished and the days were done and Jesus comes and in the New Testament and the Gospels and we start reading of his time and at the latter part of his ministry starts talking about or the middle to latter part starts talking about um, the church and to Peter upon this rock will I build my church literally not Peter but the rock of the message of the gospel that they had just conversed about in chapter 16 of Matthew um, and then all the way until John 14 15 16 where Jesus explains that the totality of his church would be would 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 kind of be finished or I guess you could say when this, Come, this coming of the comforter happens. That's the kind of full compiling of when the church begins. And we see that happening at the beginning of Acts chapter number two, which we checked out a couple weeks ago. This week, Acts chapter four, we're continuing to look at the beginning stuff of the church. We looked at last episode and the episode before about this healing of the lame man on the gates of the temple as Peter and John went up to the temple to pray uh, for it was about the it's about 3 p.m. at 9 3 3 to 6 p.m. at night uh, when they went to go pray by the ninth hour of the day chapter 3 verse 1 tells us they healed this man through the power of Jesus Christ he gets up the crowd goes crazy like in awe and also some questions some things you also have a bunch of people that just wants to be there to create division um, we pick up in chapter number four, and um, again, we can see this, the division that's here. The, the religious people hate the fact that Peter and John are, are basically stealing the show. That's not what they were trying to do, but that's what they were making it seem as if in their minds and their hearts, because their hearts were hardened to the truth of Jesus. Their hearts were hardened to what was going on, and they automatically were bitter and jealous and 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 sought an agenda of division. That's all over chapter number four. Well, I'm not going to look at that this week, or actually in this episode. What I really want to look at is a, is the question: what what constitutes someone as a true believer? Let me ask this: what constitutes someone as an actual lawyer? Is there certain things that somebody needs in order to be an actual lawyer? What constitutes someone being a business owner. What constitutes somebody being a World Cup soccer champion? What constitutes someone being a mother? All those examples, you would hopefully start thinking of different reasons or different things that make up that individual to constitute them as whatever I explain them as. Well, here's the next question. 
what constitutes someone as a true believer. In Acts chapter number four, we pick up right after Paul or Peter, sorry. And if I have said Paul previously up to this point, sorry, I meant Peter. Uh, what he has, he has given the gospel over and over again, at least twice in just chapter number three. After, I mean, in just chapter number three, he explains who the lame man has to believe in. When everybody comes to him and starts wooing him and praising him and John for what's going on, and also the crowd we looked at last last episode were standing in amazement. Both of those things he answered with the gospel yet again. So up to this point, Peter's been proclaiming the gospel regularly and over and over publicly. And then we get to I guess we get to verse number, let's read verse number two, chapter four. And this is being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on him and put them in and hold until the next day, for it was about evening tide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. Now, it's crazy because we look at the ending of chapter number two in verse 41, and it says, then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day they were added unto them about 3000 souls. So approximately 3000 souls that day. There was already 120 disciples. We learned in Acts chapter number one, the end of Acts chapter number one, 120 meeting together in prayer. The 120s where the Holy Ghost fell upon them at Pentecost. So adding 120 to three, uh, just say just 3000, it could have been plus or minus, but say 3000. As, as recorded in chapter 2, verse 41, that's 3,120. And then we get to after this, the lame man is healed. Peter preaches to him and also the crowd, the gospel. And we learn in chapter 4, verse 4, that about 5,000 men, now that's not including women or children here, but that's just men. So we have upwards to 8,000 just on numbers, sheer numbers recorded, 8,120 people. Now, chapter 3 to chapter beginning of chapter 4, and if we read in verse 3, it was evening tide. It was already semi-prayer time in chapter 3, verse 1. Chapter 3 to chapter 4 was the same day, the same evening. So we have, after that, we can kind of pick up in chapters 1, chapter 2 rather, chapter 2 to chapter 4. I mean, you're only talking about days. I mean, we could be lenient and say weeks, but I mean, I believe days in this. Um you have a church that went from 120 people to 8,120 people within days. Now, that alone can cause complications, good complications, such as where do we put them all? Um, how do we how do we feed them all? How do we minister to them all? How do we? There's a lot of things that 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 they had to work through. As God, uh, a lot of changes took place immediately when God was working. So there's a lot in chapter four. But the one thing I really want to focus on is literally what constitutes somebody as a actual believer as a Christian. And by the way, the word Christian is biblical. Acts chapter number 11, the word Christian is used. The outside world coined us Christians because we were so much like, or at least the believers in Antioch were so much like Christ. They called them Christ-likeians or Christians. That being said, what constitutes somebody as that? Well, we see here, how, how be it, verse four, chapter four, Many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of them was about 5,000. 
So what constitutes somebody, again, I'll keep saying it, what constitutes somebody as a real Christian or a true Christian? It's just because they're going to church, or those people are really good Christians, or those people, you know, they grew up in church all their life, or they're really good people. They're okay, okay. And, and I'm not saying those people are not good people, or they haven't grown up in church all their life, or they don't do good things. I mean, I know a lot of people that way. But I said, none of those things mount up to hill of beans when it comes to being a Christian. And I'm trying to be nice, but it's a, it's the truth. How, how do we know? How do we know if somebody's a real legal constitutes themselves as an actual lawyer? Well, they've had to pass the bar. There's qualifications. Well, is there a qualification? Is there something that we can constitute as a true believer? Well, let's go back to chapter two, chapter three. In a nutshell, what was Peter doing? He was proclaiming the gospel. He was proclaiming the gospel. When the 3,000 souls were saved at Pentecost, what did they do in order to be constituted as believers? They received by faith the gospel. What did this man who was healed, the lame man who was healed, they, he received the gospel of Jesus Christ. He believed in who Jesus Christ was, what he did and who he said he was. It constitutes that. And then also in chapter number four, after verses 11 through verses 26 of, of chapter three, when Peter reiterates the gospel again, 5,000 more souls are added, at least men, more than likely than, than just men, but just men that we see here. They believed the word. What word? The word that Peter just preached. What did he preach? The gospel. Now, this word believe, this is, this is um, sometimes can get misunderstood as just clearly an intellectual understanding. Now, that does not constitute anyone being a Christian. And people say, pastor or Justin or brother or whatever the case may be, hey, I'm a Christian. I ask them, okay, why? Well, I believe Jesus. Okay, great. Uh, what, what do you, I always follow up with and I encourage you to, well, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by you're a Christian or that you believe? And sometimes they'll give you some just, well, you know, I, you know, I believe that Jesus is who he said he was. Okay. I believe he lived. Okay, I believe he died. I believe he rose again. Okay. Do you know that that still does not make somebody a Christian? Now, you may be saying, well, that's really, uh, uh, no, but stay with me here. Let me ask you a question. Does Satan know those things? Does Satan intellectually believe those things? In fact, I was reading this morning in Mark chapter number, what was it? Mark chapter number four, I believe. No, five. The healing, the Gadarene man. The, do you remember that guy, the demonic guy that Jesus got off the boat after, the, after he calmed the storm and immediately when they got to shore in the town of the Gadarenes, that the man was, who was cutting himself, crying out loud, screaming out loud, could it be held down by, by fetters, slept in tombs with dead people, came out and screaming and automatically proclaimed who Jesus Christ was? That man wasn't saved. He had legion living inside of him. And that man wasn't a believer, he wasn't a Christian, but yet the demons inside them, because they were many, believed in who Jesus was. They actually worshipped Jesus. Just because you go to church and you worship Jesus doesn't make you a Christian. I mean, I, 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 I lie to you not. What's it? Uh, verse 6 of Mark chapter 5. And it says, but when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. This man that was and dwelt with the demon. And so what am I getting at? Is that an, an acknowledgement, a belief, intellectual, I believe those things happen. Doesn't make anybody Christian. Satan believes that. 
believes in God. James writes that in James chapter one, that even the demons believe and tremble. And Jesus, they believe in who he is. And so friend, please don't get that wrong, but also don't let your friends get that wrong. And the pastor, what, 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 what constitutes then somebody as a real genuine Christian? Well, I'm glad you asked again. And it is, it is more than just an intellectual understanding and belief that Jesus was who he said he was and did what he did for you and for I, if we're getting personal for you or for me, I believe that. But that is the first part of believing. There's also believing that they use here in verse four, believed in the people that believed, uh, that were baptized and believed in verse 41 of chapter two and the healing of the man he believed in who Jesus was. It's the word faith. The word believed, it's the, it's the Strong's Concordance 4100, and it literally means a belief, so an intellectual understanding with the implication that an action on that belief will follow, meaning not works, but action. Well, what action? That you take what you intellectually understand about Jesus, that God has revealed through his spirit, through the convicting of the word of God, through his spirit about Jesus Christ and who you are, and then you confess it. You receive it by confessing that back to God. If you don't believe me in Acts, I mean, Romans chapter 9 is the simplistic, or Romans chapter 10 is God's only way of salvation. Paul writes in verse 9 and 10, he says this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now, the Lord Jesus, what, what does that mean? Well, that he is everything that he said he was. His life, he, he is the son of God, the second person in the Trinity. Now, it's not understanding all these doctrines. When it's saying Lord Jesus, it's confessing that he is who he said he did is and that he did what he said he did. And also believing that he rose from the grave so that the gospel. So that it's a believing in your heart, but it is also a confessing with the mouth, not to me, not to man, not to your pastor, but straight to God. For with the heart, verse 10, for with the heart man believes in a righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So it is an internal start, convicting start of believing first, but then it must have paired with it the the act of confessing it to God, meaning praying to God, saying out loud to God, God, I I believe that Jesus is who you said he and who he said he is and was, and that he died for my sins and you rose him from the grave three days later. I believe that. But now, God, I ask you to apply that to my life. That is faith. That is what constitutes somebody as a true Christian. We see the results of this, and uh, 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 it doesn't immediately, once this happens, the Holy Spirit of God comes to indwell. In chapter 8 of Romans, verse 11, it says, But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by the Spirit that dwelleth in you. And so we understand that... Uh, the Spirit is the one that indwells us, but that the Spirit itself bears witness in verse 16 of Romans chapter 8 with our spirit that we are the children of God and joint heirs with Christ. So the immediate action of believing and then confessing with your mouth out loud to God, that is the that is like for the lawyer taking the bar, believing that the bar is what makes you a real lawyer. And then you go to the next step and take the test, pass the test, and become a real lawyer. 
for salvation. It's believing that Jesus is who he said he was and did what he did, and then going the next step into praying or confessing that to God and asking God to apply what Jesus did to you, did for you, to you. That's true salvation. At that instance, on the authority of the Word of God, the Holy Spirit of God comes in and indwells you. That, my friend, is what constitutes somebody, someone as a real or true Christian. So when we see this in Acts chapter number four, what we've been looking at, the whole chapter, I could go and talk more about the negativism of the people. And I, we've been on that a couple of times the last couple of weeks. I, I, it's all over this chapter. But check out what Peter says in verse 12. He says, neither is of chapter four of Acts, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Meaning Jesus Christ. Jesus is the ultimate authority, not you. Jesus is the only way for salvation. It starts with the belief through the convicting of the of the Holy Spirit of God through the gospel message, through the word of God, which then the person who is under that conviction through the spirit of God, which was preached through the gospel, that person goes the next step and prays, confesses to God who he is, who she is, and prays and receive Christ as their savior. That is the totality of how someone goes from being a non-Christian to a Christian or non-believer to a believer. And so I would encourage you to ask, uh, when, but when, when, when somebody has has said that they are a true believer, or that oh, that's a good person, or they're a good Christian, ask them. Well, what do you just ask them a simple question? What do you mean by that? Because I'm, it's not because I, me personally, I'm better than anybody else, or that I've figured this thing out. I mean, it's in the Word of God. It, 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 it's there, and I've read it, and I know what God's way is for sure. And I'm I'm unapologetic about it, one hundred percent. Because, and I'm bold in it because I I don't want people to get it wrong, and neither should you. Neither should you. But with that also being the case, I hope you love your friends enough, your family enough to not allow them just to nonchalantly, well, I'm a Christian. Okay. And you never question that. You ought to. You ought to question and say, hey, just, just, just for curiosity, what do you mean that you're a Christian? How do you know you're a Christian? Because it very well could be. I mean, I've been a pastor for quite some years and also a Christian for quite some years. And I used to take that for granted until I started asking that simple question. And I've come to find out a lot of my friends and a lot of my people I've pastored or on the streets thought they were saved and they weren't. And after showing them, they thanked me and they have prayed majority, not all of them, to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior for the actual first time. And they stopped assuming that they were believers or just saying that they were, but now knowing that they are. I want to encourage you to do the same. Acts chapter four, there's a lot in there. For there's neither is there any neither is there salvation in any other name. For there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, and that is Jesus Christ. Believing, what constitutes somebody as a true believer? Well, they have not only believed that Jesus is did is who he said he would was and did exactly what he did for sin but that they've received that by faith, by confessing that to God. I hope this has encouraged you. This is Pastor Justin with Run 12-1 Podcast. God bless.
Thanks for taking the time to listen to Run 12-1 Podcast. Run your marathon race that God has placed you in. God bless. Mm-hmm.